Good evening, everybody. It's very cold and damp in the Pacific Northwest. What a shocker. Dr. G here, Spirit Tales and Magic. Your podcast home for all the paranormal things that we do. Some great ghost stories and other stories of the paranormal, of course. And some magic along the way. We're still on the countdown of the top 10 paranormal things witnessed by police. We're going to be doing number three. And for number three, we have to look to the skies. Yes, it's going to be about UFOs, those wonderful unidentified flying objects. Do you remember the first time that you heard about UFOs or spacemen, as it were? I remember as a child not missing too many episodes of Star Trek or Lost in Space. It seems that we as Americans and most of us in the world have had a fascination. We tend to call them UFOs because we truly didn't know what they were. Not 100%. It's never been proven exactly. A friend of mine refers to them as things that go bump in the night in the sky. But you can go back through civilizations. You can see them on petroglyphs and hieroglyphs and many, many back as far as time goes where there was a recorded drawing of anything that went on. You look hard enough through it and you're going to see them. Now, when it comes to UFOs, you could spend probably from now through the rest of your life digging through reports everywhere, coast to coast, border to border, other countries, daytime, nighttime, in the city, out in the middle of nowhere. In 2017, several news organizations revealed the existence of what the U.S. called the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program, I think. The acronym is AATIP, and I believe that that's what it stands for, ATIP. So it was a government-funded program that investigated, guess what, UFOs, between 2007 and 2012. It was a secret $22, $24 million program. But I can assure you it wasn't the first of its kind. Official government UFO studies... I believe it was the late 40s when they began. It was Project Sign back then, if I'm not mistaken. And it provided some of the most incredible videos of aerial phenomenon to date. The program eventually became Blue Book. Remember the hearing about that, right? Blue Book Special Report 14. There are several documentaries right now about that particular thing and, and debunking it. That investigated UFO sightings through much of the Cold War. The 2017 revelation that the U.S. was still researching UFOs and aliens re-sparked a new birth of people looking to the skies, waiting to catch a glimpse. Now, the History Channel 
has their top five of UFOs. So there were the lights above the New Jersey Turnpike. That was back in, uh, I believe, 2001. And many, many motorists saw that. There were truckers on the GW Bridge. That's the George Washington Bridge. Talking on their CBs about spacemen in the sky. Their second would be the USS Nimitz encounter in 2004. Now, a friend of mine actually witnessed that. That was November the 14th, I believe, of 2004. Somewhere in the Pacific Ocean. I think it was about 100 miles off the coast of San Diego. They sent two FA-18 fighter jets. And, of course, it eluded the jets. It moved in ways that they couldn't understand. Zero to, you know, out of sight in a matter of nanoseconds. In 2006, Flight 446 was getting ready to fly to North Carolina from Chicago's O'Hare Airport. They were interrupted by a flying saucer. And in 2008, in a small town of, I believe it was Stephenville, Texas, it's about 100 miles southwest of Dallas. I think it's a big dairy area out there. Dozens of residents viewed something unique in the sky. Citizens reported seeing white lights and talking about their movement, how they would be rapidly across the sky without making a sound. Then there's a one called the uh, East Coast Go Fast video. I think that was in 2015. It was on the news. And, and you can look all of those up. The History Channel consider those to be very credible indeed. They're not the ones that made this particular countdown, though. This one is in the week between Christmas and New Year's in 1980. And it's across the pond. So James Pennison witnessed something strange in the Rendlesham Forest area while he was stationed there. So that's their answer to our Air Force. RAF Bentwaters Pennison, senior security officer in charge at the RAF Woodbridge, was the head of a police team called out to investigate an aircraft crash in the forest after unexplained lights were reported by hundreds of people. And this is going to sound very familiar to you, to something else. What he and two other officers found was nothing resembling a traditional aircraft. Instead, they found themselves faced with an unfamiliar craft. It was resting on the ground on three legs. It was triangular in shape and fully intact. What happened next, as described by the men, was nothing short of a paranormal miracle. Pensington wrote in his official report, that all of their radios seemed to be malfunctioning in the presence of the strange craft. There were blue and yellow lights that were reflecting off of its surface. And the air around the craft crackled with electricity. After making notes of the symbols on the side of the craft and trying to measure its size, the lights coming off the sides of the craft's surface intensified. Then it lifted up 
without making a sound, made its way through the forest and sped away with such incredible speed that they couldn't hardly keep their eyes on it. At this point, there were more than 80 police officers at the site, all of whom witnessed the craft and its takeoff. After the incident was reported, all of the personnel present at the site were warned not to discuss what they had seen, and the investigation was classified as top secret. Carries a 50-year security seal. Now, I have been privy to things that carry that same seal. That seal gets put on things that people don't want you to know. They don't want you to see. And they don't want you to talk about. I think, and this is totally my opinion and not founded by any evidence, I believe that those of us, those people who sit in charge of us, really never wanted us to know about any of it. I think they spent a great deal of time and taxpayers' money. But as we grew in number, all of us human beings, and the sightings grew more and more, they grew at an explosive rate, and it was impossible to keep the lid on it. Now the new tactic is, yes, they exist, they're here, and we're working on it. And we'll let you know as we find things out. There was a long discussion between myself and some of the people that I check with before I say something in a podcast. I don't check every time I do a podcast, but there are certain things that I shouldn't say and I just try not to. But I remember back as a young man, preteen, close to being a teenager, but not quite there yet, that my aunt and her husband took a job with a certain city as house parents of a girl's home. And of course, they wanted me come to come there and do magic and help them with chores and things like that, which first I hated doing, but Figured out I'm a preteen young man and some pretty hot looking girls in that house. And I should say here that nothing, hear me loud and clear, nothing ever happened between any of us. But there were a couple of good friendships that were created there. One of which I'll call her Patty. Patty was dating a young man that was in the Air Force. They had extensive discussions about you're not going to join the air force you know I, I want you with me i don't want you to go and, and get killed doing something stupid just just don't do it she couldn't talk him out of it so he does join the air force now around the time a couple of years later um, i'm about to get my driver's license they're closing out their 
stay as the house parents of the house. Um, several people, they're, they're helping through the transition. They're interviewing some of the new folks that are going to come in. And I went down to say goodbye to everybody. Now, some of the people that were originally there had gone and some new folks had come in, but Patty was still there. So she asked me, in magic and paranormal investigation, what's the craziest thing that you've ever seen? I wasn't really ready for that question. And I said, well, I, I can't say that there was one thing that classifies as the craziest. I think crazy is perhaps out of context. Um, that wouldn't be the word I would use to describe any of it. One of the most intriguing or bizarre things was the visit I had from my aunt, Agnes Wagner, which is on the podcast. She reaches back into her jeans pocket and she pulls out a letter and as she's unfolding it, she says, I think I can top that. So she reads me this letter. Now, this letter is from her boyfriend, whom she identified as Steve. He talks about a boring night playing cards with several other airmen. Now, he's on a high-security detail. He has all kind of clearances, and he's worked very hard to be where he is. She's both proud and angry about that at the same time. So he tells her that he was able to send her this letter because he can sometimes mail things without anyone else reading them. And he wanted there to be some record of his existence in case he just vanished from the earth. And he begins to tell the tale about a crash of a spaceship. He doesn't give a ton of details about where it was. But he says, and they have these these things frozen on ice, and and they're they're not like us, and and one of them is is still alive. They can't communicate with it, but it's it's really tightly locked away. She says, "What do you think about that?" So I think maybe he discovered the mushrooms before he wrote that letter. I, said, I don't know how you would hide something like that from the public. So you'd pretty much have to kill everybody that was involved in seeing it originally because they're not going to keep something like that quiet. Are you kidding? That's proof of first contact, and you're never going to be able to keep a lid on something like that. She said, well, they could order everyone underneath them not to talk about it. I laughed and I said, yeah, because we know that always works. The letter is a blazing statement to the fact that that doesn't work. Didn't think much of it. Everybody went their separate ways. I had a lot of life changes after that. And you know, they were fond memories of that place, but nothing that really stayed in the forefront of my mind until about a decade later. 
I'm on an investigation in Chicago. That's the first time that I had scratches on my body that were unexplainable. I saw an iron door fling open. I heard footsteps. I wasn't alone. There's like 25 people in the room, four of which were police officers, and the rest were security guards. And, you know, I didn't come there originally to be an investigator. I'm just going to have to let that go at that for now. So we decide to go and have some lunch. I had never had a pizza or a pie, as they call it. I'd, I'd had it at home, but never, you know, never the famous ones, right? If you've never had a piece of Chicago pizza, at some time in your life, go to Chicago. Go somewhere around the W Hotel or to the pier and get yourself and according to Hoyle, Chicago deep dish pizza, you'll be amazed. But while having this pizza with a couple of other folks that I knew that don't exist, I noticed this young redhead girl, and she's looking at me hard. And there's just something about her. I feel like that I should know her. She got up and started to walk toward us, and there were several reasons why I couldn't let her make it all the way to the table, but... I intercepted her about halfway between where she was and where I was. And I smiled and said in kind of a joking voice, did you lose something over here? She said, well, I had suspicions, but then I heard your voice. How have you been? Now, the minute she said that, I knew exactly who she was. It was Patty. We talked for a few minutes about how life was and things that had happened to us between point A and point B. We sat down at an empty table about halfway between her table and mine. Spent about a half an hour catching up. The long and short of that story is the letter, which was still in her possession, was the last time she heard from her boyfriend. Six months after that letter, he had been declared missing and was never heard from by her again. Any effort that she made to look into it was immediately shut down, starting with the local police and ending with everybody else that she contacted at the time. I told her that I was sorry. Well, I'm over it now, as, as much as I can be. She said, his family, though, has never got over it. She goes, no, they moved away. She said, I saw them on a Thursday. I told them I'd come over Saturday morning, and we'd go shopping. And when I went there Saturday, the house was empty, and the family was gone. And I have been unable to find them. What do you make of that? Sounds like a version of... That's all the digging you should be doing. She agreed. We parted ways. I was in the position to put some research into that, but I didn't because I knew better. 
And I knew that eventually we'd be at about the point where we are now, where there are some secret things that go on with that. But in the most part, cat's out of the bag. You turn to YouTube or TV or radio and you can hear a lot about UFOs and cover-ups and conspiracy theories. And they're everywhere. You get tired of looking at them that there's so there's so many of them. I would see her one more time years later. She said that she was going to write a book about the incident. That through everything she had done in her life, she kept the letter safe and it never left her hide. Not one time. She said, it's in my pocket. It's in my purse hanging on my shoulder. When I sleep, it's under my pillow. And I laughed and said, you know, a good psychologist makes something out of that. So then came the day that I work in an office building in a cubicle. She said, I work for the government and I make good money. I said, oh, what do you do? She just can't tell you. I said, okay, I can accept that. But I was going to show the letter to my supervisor who wears a shirt to work under his suit that says, I'm a UFO fan. How about you? She said, and on casual Friday, he you know, wears it around the office and he's, he's addicted to UFOs. So I just wanted to you know, read him the letter. So the day came that I was going to do that. I take the letter out of my purse and I open it. I open the envelope and the letter that's in the envelope is not even the same color of paper. It's not the letter in question. The letter is gone. And now it's just a crazy story that I tell because I have no proof. That, to me, is perhaps more interesting than the entire story. So how about you? Have you looked to the sky and seen something that you might have thought was a UFO? Or are you one of the folks that spends a lot of time listening to UFO shows or tuning into certain radio stations that talk about them a lot? You don't have to look very far. Just about anybody who's anybody has covered them. Would you agree with my friend and consider them aerial things that go bump in the night? Are the spacemen watching? Or is it paradelia? We want to see them so bad that we see them. Until you see one, you'll never know. And maybe even if you do, you still won't know. One thing I can tell you that I believe with certainty. There is indeed a world unseen. A world that exists all around us all the time. And every now and again, for whatever reason, we catch a glimpse of it. And the dead get in, or in this case, the spacemen get in. 
Tomorrow, we will do both of the final episodes of this particular countdown, because they're both fairly short. But we have all kind of things planned for you. We'd love to hear any paranormal story that you have, whether it happened to you or whether it was handed down from generation to generation. You can send those to us at info at fidgebear.com. That's info at F-I-D-G-E-B-E-A-R.com. We'd love to hear your stories. We thank you for listening to the podcast. Help us spread the word, and until we talk again, I'll see you inside your mind.